0: In this episode, we have a medical professional weigh in on their thoughts on the industry, discuss how medical marijuana and the movement of CBD into the mainstream has helped change perceptions of the plant, positioning it as a natural alternative to the pharmaceutical bias of modern medicine and promoting the notion of a new normal. COVID-19's impact on the CBD market has been considerable as consumers seek natural alternatives to treating stress anxiety and trouble sleeping and the growth and evolution of a category but a focus on a shift in the needs of people in terms of emotional well-being more focus on self-care and ways to cultivate better versions of ourselves Amongst many plant-based variants, uh, CBD has been at the forefront of this movement. And previously in the first episode, we spoke to two incredible uh, people who have been heavily involved in the world of CBD and the business side of CBD, speaking about the legislation and the, the potential for the economy within the country and what the preconceived notions have been and what the misinformation around the cannabis plant has been and really what What potential it has to better people's lives as well as the economy, and how through episodes and a podcast such as this can really start to give people the information they need to hopefully destigmatize or really just come to their own conclusions around CBD or the cannabis plant as a whole, and therefore really be more informed so that you know how you truly feel about it as opposed to what is being told to you and therefore today it makes it even more exciting to have a real medical professional speaking to us and joining us in studio Um, this is someone who is incredibly illustrious in their achievements and their expertise. I have been fortunate to have known her for a very, very long time. Um, she is a medical doctor, a 700-hour yoga teacher, internationally accredited yoga teacher. Um, she is also someone who is a founder of a wonderful, wonderful practice, which is the Nest Space, a practice for wellness health and well-being in all the facets that you can really imagine, something that is quite beautiful. I've been able to interact with numerous times and you'll tell us more about what that is about. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm of course talking about Dr. Anesu Mbizvo.
1: Thank you so much, Mubs. It's so nice to be here. Really a pleasure to talk about what I think is a really exciting field of well-being and, you know, medicine as we talk about it in terms of healing. So I'm really happy to be here just to share a few of my views on CBD, on cannabis, but also maybe to give you and your listeners a little bit of some background into how this ties into the human body and how the human body works along with the various uh, aspects of the plant.
0: And no doubt some sort of a different perspective in that regard regard to from what we've previously um, been told or given in that regard.
1: I worked a little bit as a medical doctor and started to feel like there were some aspects of healing that were missing from the more Western or allopathic view of healthcare and view of the body and healing the body. And it was through me delving into the yoga world, you know, whether it's just yoga as a practice or Eastern philosophies and how those are tied into well-being and healing that really made me interested in finding alternative ways Mm. that we can view health and we can view healing. And that's what we do at the Nest Space. We do yoga, meditation, breath work, but also like having conversations about ancestral healing, generational Mm. healing, all within an African context. And I think that that's also what's different about this conversation and this podcast is that you're talking about a plant that can be seen as indigenous to our African context and Mm. to our African continent. So it's really nice to have yeah, our voices, I suppose, speaking to an audience who can relate to this plant in a more intimate manner, as opposed to hearing about these things from a context that's different to ours.
0: And being someone who is, as we both are, um, in that millennial space, what made you really feel that there's a great importance with you know, living in such a technolo- technological, a big part in age, feel that it was really important to have that Afrocentric um, look at navigating wellness.
1: I think one of the things that really underpins our generation is taking the leap to see things differently. Um, And I think for me personally as an African, that's also been around decolonizing certain aspects of myself, Mm -hmm. decolonizing my views on my own health and well-being, decolonizing how I see healing happening and what medicine is. And so I think as a millennial, you know, as we talk about technology, even then we need to Africanize technology and decolonize Mm -hmm. how we interact with different technologies to make sure that we aren't falling behind. But instead, it's, it's almost as if as the world evolves, we evolve along with it so that we're still able to tell our narrative.
0: Absolutely. Are you particularly sentimental?
1: I would say so. I would say so. I mean, let's, we can tie in some survivor <laughs> facts there where I've got loads of trinkets, you know, pretty useless things, some driftwood, little, a <laughs> little pinch of sand from the beach and things. So yeah, I would say I'm pretty sentimental.
0: And the thing that comes with sentimentals or to or that feeling, uh, the word feel is truly what you, I guess, investigate, or I say investigate, but go into, that's what inspires a lot of your work, how people truly feel, how you can make them feel better. It's all about the tangibility of your emotions and your feelings and how that affects the rest of your body, your mind, from something as simple as how we breathe and how if you changed that or considered your breath a whole lot more, how, it, how that would change many of the things that you do um, and took things in a whole lot more. So with that in mind and with things that you have, have touched on and all the spaces that you work within, one thing I really love to do at the, at the top of each of the um, podcasts is ask how are we feeling? how How are we feeling today? How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling... Anchored, grounded, I would say. Today, um, I feel like, you know, that's a, that's a feeling of stability, which has been hard to come by in the last two years or so. But today, I'm feeling like I'm in the right place at the right time. And I'm feeling, yeah, quite good today. How about you, Maps? How are you feeling?
0: I think I'm feeling pretty positive. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I think one of the most beautiful things about asking that is that it's, not as generic as just how are you mm. and it as soon as you use the word feeling you actually want to then truly work out what you're feeling in that moment mm. and i think i'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling optimistic um which i've been trying to keep at the forefront in spite of everything happening around us which has been difficult to always feel that I've had to deal with, um, as many people have, uh, anxiety during this period and how not to let that feeling be the predominant feeling. I guess, again, consider a lot of what you implement in ways of dealing Mm -hmm. to get the desired feeling. Mm -hmm. And a (laughs) (laughs) a lot of that, of course, having to do exactly what we're here to talk about. If we jump right into it, I'd love to know, from your perspective, we, we, we kind of went into the groundwork in the first episode and if you didn't get a chance to listen to it and you're tuning into this, please make sure that you go and check out um, that first episode of the Good Leaf Podcast on our various streaming platforms or go to thedose.co.za to find out more and you get all the information there to kind of set the foundation for things that we will discuss in the future. But first and foremost, What is your perception of the plant, the cannabis plant and the CBD industry as a whole?
1: I find it to be a very interesting and a very exciting field, personally. I think that, you know, when, when it comes to Western medicine, one of the things that I felt was missing was the fact that we often go to our healthcare providers when we're feeling ill, when something is wrong. But we don't really have a system or a knowledge system of what to do when we're feeling okay, but when we can elevate our mood or the way that we feel to a different level uh, before getting to the stage of sickness and, and ill health. And I think, that's where the cannabis plant and CBD in particular is really useful, where it allows people to tune into, as you say, how you feel in the present moment and allow yourself to check in with your body, check in with your mind to establish whether there's something you can do in that present moment to bring you to a, state, a greater state of well-being. And I think that's where this plant really comes in, where we're not really talking about you know, what it is that you need to do if you've broken a leg, for example, if you've been in a car accident. Yes, then Western medicine is is the best system that we yeah. know when it comes to those acute situations. But this is on the day to day level when you don't need medication, where you don't need a doctor to diagnose a specific problem, but you might not be feeling like you're functioning at an, your optimum level, mm. and that's where I think the untapped potential of CBD comes in. Mm.
0: I think potential there being the 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 key word because when people are resisting it because of what their fears might be um i guess then you block yourself from the potential of how you could benefit from it as a whole and with that and working out these benefits what's the science behind it all like how what is the science behind CBD and how does it actually work within our bodies? And I know when we speak about the science, we can get very in-depth and complicated and speak about all the receptors and how it affects different parts. And it possibly doesn't even work exactly the same in every single person. and It mm. probably doesn't. But what is the science behind it and, and how does it work within our bodies?
1: Okay, so we'll do a little bit of a biology lesson, but I'll, t- <laughs> I'll try to keep it as interesting as is possible. And I think the best way to do that is to look at our bodies with a, almost a state of You know, the human lifespan is about 80 to 90 years now. And our bodies are able to adapt to all of the various stresses and issues that we we encounter on a day-to-day basis relatively well Mm. to allow us to get there. And the main reason for that is a state called homeostasis, right? And homeostasis, I like to remember it because the first part of the word is home. And our bodies are our, you know, our initial and fundamental home during this lifetime. And homeostasis is all about that threshold or that state where your body is essentially in flow. Everything is working as it should. All of your hormones are at the optimal level. And your body is able to function on a day-to-day level where things come easily. And this is where cannabis comes in because part of maintaining homeostasis is essentially controlling different aspects of your body and your brain in order for different parts of your body to maintain that flow state. Mm. And the endocannabinoid system, that's the (laughs) ECS, if you're into acronyms, (laughs) Um, endo refers to inside, so it's inside the body is essentially the mechanism that helps us to maintain homeostasis. There are lots of other systems, but this is a main part of it. And this system was discovered way back, well, maybe not too way back, in the early 90s. That's around, you know, I'm not going to say too (laughs) way back, because that's around the time where I was born. But there were these researchers who were interested in cannabis and how cannabis affected the body. And they wanted to conduct studies to be able to understand exactly what was going on within the brain. And they found that this system was already existent before cannabis was Used or discovered. And this system is essentially responsible for regulating things like our sleep, our mood, our appetite, as well as pain and inflammation. And there are three main things you need to remember when it comes to the ECS or the endocannabinoid system. And that's it's made up of three parts, right? So I like to use metaphors. I'm very much a metaphors person. This is how I got through med school. I made up (laughs) stories essentially. So there are three parts of the ECS. The first one are receptors, right? You can kind of see receptors as a gate with a padlock or a gate with a lock on it, essentially that control mechanism. We've also got enzymes, and you can kind of see enzymes as being the guards of those gates. And then we've got the endocannabinoids or exocannabinoids. And these are essentially like visualizing different workers that come to the gates to to either go through or not be let through in order for them to perform their various functions. Mm. So let's just keep this metaphor of the gate and the guards and the workers. So usually our body works by having specific workers, endocannabinoids that our own body makes that allow our bodies to regulate sleep, regulate our moods, etc., But now we also have exocannabinoids from outside of the body, and that's what comes from the cannabis plant, right? Mm -hmm. So we know of THC. THC is one of the exocannabinoids. CBD is also one of them. But they act on the system in very different ways. Mm -hmm. So what we see with THC is THC is almost like a copycat of the workers that we spoke about, right? So we have our endocannabinoids, which are doing their usual job, you add in the THC there, and they're almost like the super worker who tries to do everything extra well. But what that can sometimes end up with is you feeling a little bit uncertain, feeling a bit panicked. They do a little bit too much. Yeah, they do it a bit too well. They do their job too well. And that's how THC works on our endocannabinoid system. Whereas CBD isn't a copycat worker. Mm. What CBD does is It has a relationship with the guards. It speaks to the guards and says, let more workers in. Let more workers through this gate. Let more workers through that gate to modulate either your sleep or your mood. It acts on the different gates by making sure that the gates are open enough to allow the already existing workers to come through. Hmm. And I think I like using that metaphor when describing the system because a lot of people... ...tend to struggle to differentiate between THC and CBD... ...and think that they act on the body in the same way... ...whereas it's it's actually the opposite. They act on the system in a very different way... ...and that's why they give about different responses. Mm. So while THC has, you know, that almost hyperactive worker effect... On our bodies, it can elevate your mood. It almost has a psycho, we call that a a psychoactive effect where you feel an elevated mood or a high. CBD doesn't do that because it's already your body's own workers or your body's own Endocannabinoids that are doing the work, CBD is just helping them work more effectively. And that's why with CBD, you don't have that psychoactive effect. It's basically just about making sure that you can modulate and you can help your body to do the things that it's already been doing.
0: So, with the THC worker that comes in very hot and hard and aggra- well, mm, yeah,
1: can't I, be yeah, aggressive, well, yeah, exactly. He's ready to party, he's ready to, to, to make an impact.
0: Is, is, is that really just a case of him coming in, or it coming in, or them coming in <laughs> so readily and so hyperactively that they burn themselves very quickly when we get that kind of drop, that massive drop and lull that you exhaust yourself a whole lot more, whereas it's a whole lot easier with CBD workers where they kind of all work together and do a consistent, constant level of work that Mm -hmm. is a lot more regulatory in your body that you can kind of really feel is um, a lot more in sync, as opposed to something where it almost feels like those other workers the throw of God, you know, I've, I've, ne- I've never, I've never, I've never, never that before. Cool. exactly. No yeah, well, so. I
1: mean, I think the the metaphor works perfectly with this as well. You know, it's almost like you're you're used to having your staff base, your mm. workers who work at a usual pace, and then maybe you employ somebody who's got this great CV and knows how to do everything in a quicker amount of time and at a higher level. And so you enjoy having that worker come and, and have an impact on, on the workforce, but then once that worker's gone, it almost feels like your workers who you were previously accustomed to are doing things slower than even before. Yeah. More on a comparative basis, whereas with CBD, your body doesn't need to adjust to anything new. It, do, it doesn't have that feeling of oh, this is an external substance that is acting like my workers but better. Instead, your already existent body symptoms are just being helped along with the process. So it it is. It's it's much easier for your body to adapt to. That's also the reason why there are less adverse effects um, between CBD and THC. And in fact, another interesting fact, is that CBD is known to counter a lot of the adverse effects of THC. So that's why we see a lot of different strains of cannabis with different levels of THC and Mm. CBD. And that affects the experience of using that strain of cannabis because the CBD almost seems to Bring that THC worker yeah. down, down to earth a little bit, so that he's working at the same state of of your yeah. endocannabinoids,
0: or on the, just on the same page as everyone else. And <laughs> exactly. I think I think we both know that uh, there's, there's, there's there's no better when you are an employer. No better kind of place to be in than when you have happy employees. Exactly. So, so I really, really love the importance of that example. So now that we have that basis and a wonderful way of putting it, love that metaphor, what would you say that brands and businesses need to do then to really demystify everything around this plant?
1: Mm, You know, I think this can kind of tie into one of the issues that I found with the Western medical industry um, and just the pharmaceutical industry as a whole is we're trying to encourage people to make use of different drugs, different mechanisms, regardless of what it is that we're talking about, without people having the fundamental knowledge of how their bodies work and how these substances affect their different bodily processes. So especially with CBD, I think it would do brands really well to be able to explain in, in an accessible way. And that's mm. so doable by telling a story of how your body works without you using the substance and then how your body reacts to the substance that you're using. And I think just like you said at the beginning of the podcast, if this is sold in a way where it's, it's not made to seem like you're trying to convince people of mm. anything or you're trying to force people of anything, mm. but instead just giving them the information, I think that that will do really well. Another thing that I think is worth brands thinking about is, is letting consumers know why there's so much mystery yeah. around this plant. You know, a lot of people think that there isn't much talk about CBD because, you know, it, it's it's intoxicating or it has a psychoactive effect where we've just learned that's the complete opposite. Um, the real issue around CBD is regulation and making sure that people are putting the right substances into the things that they are selling. Mm. And I think if people had that background information instead of people staying away from CBD they would be venturing out to find brands that they trust. Brands where they know that the constituents of what they're taking are pure and that would lead to less hesitancy in terms of using these substances.
0: Mm. I've read in the past uh, many kind of historical accounts around communities who used to have this plant and would keep it to themselves and Mm. keep it as a secret as this amazing beneficial plant to assist them um, in in, in any kind of way with the health and well-being and um, obviously the medical benefits of it. But now we're in a society where it can be uh, planted at uh, mass uh, on, on scale um, and be ready available for everyone to be able to enjoy But do you think that brands and businesses have been doing even close to enough to educate and enlighten people on the benefits of this product without it also being, as you say, a bit too pushy with an agenda of just selling it as as, as much as they can?
1: I think, it, you know, here it just depends on which brands you're talking about. Mm. I think (laughs) there's um, there's some brands which are really pushing a great message, which have an informative message about how CBD acts on different parts of the bodies. But then we have other brands brands which will sell CBD as a miracle cure for cancer, which, which just isn't scientifically proven or true. Yeah. So I think it, that, that's then where, you know, as consumers, I think we're responsible for, for choosing who to listen to, doing the research of, of who's actually done the work yeah. in terms of studying the plant. But just coming back to your question, I think there also needs to be a tie back to the history of the cannabis plant, especially as Africans. You know, a lot of the work that I do, I'm a vegan. um, I subscribe to the zero waste movement and sustainability. And a big part of what it is that we do is selling these concepts as if they are part of our own culture, as part of our own heritage as Africans. You know, we, our ancestors were not eating burgers and steaks every day. (laughs) They were not littering and just using plastic, you know, in exorbitant amounts. And so even when it comes to the cannabis plant, I think if people are told the story of cannabis from a place of it belonging to their history and their heritage, as opposed to some new age, newly discovered plant that nobody knows anything about. I think that will also help people to develop a slightly different relationship to how they see this, especially Mm. if you tie it into herbal medicine, um, traditional African spirituality and African medicine as well. You know, plant, plant-based medicine is a huge industry and mm. it, it was a significant part of our lives before the industrial revolution. And so I think if people just are able to hear that story again of how cannabis used to be used back in the days, then maybe people will be a little bit less hesitant to, to at least do their research into how it can help us now.
0: You speak about the industry of plant-based medicine. What do you think the future of that relationship looks like between Western medicine and that more holistic plant-based medicine? Is there a real role for that to play? And
1: can they coexist? I definitely think they can coexist. I'm definitely more of a... And, and and, as opposed to an either or. So mm. I think when it comes to these two, let's let let's call it alternative medicine. You know, alternative medicine is huge. That can be plant-based medicine. We can yeah. talk about energy healing. Really, it can be anything. But if we say, if we're comparing Western medicine to alternative medicine, I think the main strength of Western medicine is like we were talking about. When you're in an acute situation, let's say you, you're previously healthy, you get into a car accident, um, you, you have a foreign body enter your body which causes an inflammation or, or something like that like you know a, a hepatitis or something and when you need to cut something out or you need a fast response to a, an acute situation western medicine is miles above any other system really there's nothing like it mm. but that's not how we all function we aren't always in car accidents we aren't always breaking yeah. our limbs if anything those are just events that happen in our lives and alternative medicine comes into ensuring that we we prevent ourselves from even needing to get there. So a lot of alternative medicine is about your lifestyle, about the things that you eat, how you move your body, what you do when you have more mild symptoms before you get to that stage where you can't handle it on your own. And I think the beautiful thing about alternative medicine is it puts the hand into the patient or into the person who is experiencing whatever they're experiencing, as opposed to Western medicine, which tends to have almost like a... um, a strange relationship between the doctor and the patient where your doctor is supposed to know everything about you without knowing you before yeah. you've stepped into their consultation room, and you're supposed to have nothing to add to the conversation.
0: Mm. Modalities are not alternatives to Western medicine, but instead extremely useful tools for achieving those, um, you know, those holistic well-being results that you that you're looking for. Absolutely. Um, particularly when we talk about preventative medicine or the symptoms um, management of um, various chronic diseases, what would be your thoughts around that?
1: Yes, I mean that's that's actually where CBD comes in quite quite effectively. Is when we look at symptom control because what what ends up happening with the human body is we spoke about homeostasis right and how our bodies are so good at adapting to to our lives, but what ends up happening is we live lifestyles where they are constantly being targeted by various things, be it viruses, bacteria, or just stress in general. And so you get to a stage where your body is having to combat these things so regularly on a chronic basis that eventually your body cannot cope. Various hormones get built up in your body and that's where we see the chronic diseases of stroke, diabetes, high blood blood pressure coming up. And so if you're at the state where unfortunately you already have one of those those diseases, CBD can still help you there because... We're talking about symptom control now. And, and when we talk about symptom control, a lot of us are used to being told to take a specific pill or specific medicine for the rest of our lives mm. under the guise that we're essentially being treated. Whereas, in fact, all that pill is doing is managing the symptoms of whatever disease it is that you have. Yeah. And if you can use a more natural um, source of of or medicine in order to combat those symptoms? why not rather use that which has less adverse effects as opposed to these man made synthetic medicines which have quite a long side effect profile. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's, there's also a lot of work to be done there. And especially when we're talking about symptom control, that's where you see alternative medicine and Western medicine really working hand in hand, mm. where you have Western medicine working to ensure that the disease doesn't get to a state where it's life-threatening or fatal, but then you have alternative medicine making sure that you can still live your life with this chronic disease in a way where you're not affected in terms of your function and the way that you interact on it daily level
0: mm, which kind of begs the question if i look at you know um readings around the various uh, psychosis medicine that is done to improve your levels of what you may be feeling um if it is something that is leading towards a depressive state how the ones that seem to be highly highly effective end up giving you side effects that are innumerable um yeah. you know effects that then are causing you other issues and it's really just about how do you try and find some sort of a balance without making the the, the, the problem that you're trying to fix that you end up fixing great but then creating a whole bunch of others and finding that balance I guess that marriage between the two that um, give you that healthy balance you're looking for.
1: That's, a, that's exactly it you know our, our bodies don't work with different systems in isolation yeah. and that's why a lot of these synthetic drugs have such long side effect profiles because of the fact that if you alter one thing yeah. you alter the entire yeah. system Mutant. whereas when we look at a lot of natural medicines they have effects on the whole system. You know, when we're talking about CBD, CBD doesn't just lower one hormone and that's it. It affects the whole endocannabinoid system. And because of that, you're likely to have less side effects because the whole system is being modulated and regulated, as opposed to you just tipping one of the pieces within that system out of balance, which is what a lot of synthetic medicine tends to do.
0: We've kind of touched quite a bit from the start on emotions and emotional well-being. But what is emotional? emotional well-being and health and why does it even matter?
1: Oh, it's everything. (laughs) It's everything. (laughs) What isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think it's so good to see more and more people talking about mental health, Mm. talking about emotional well-being, stress reduction, because at the end of the day, that's where everything begins. Our, Our brains are the things that control how we think, how we move, how we digest our food, how we sleep. And if our brain is in a state where we feel depressed, Anxious or demotivated, that inherently affects all of the other functions that our brain is able to do. Mm-hmm. So, emotional well-being for me, I think, is about being in a state where I feel balanced. Um, and I, I love the metaphor of balance when it comes to emotional well-being because it's ever changing. It's ever it's, it's it's always you always have to almost move things around in order to find balance. It, it's hardly ever a state that just comes of its own volition. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, emotional well-being is the ability to maintain that state of balance whenever life throws you those curveballs because that's what life tends to do. And if you manage to maintain your emotional well-being, most of the time what that means is when we look at your mental health, which is different, right? Your mental health is now relating to how your mind affects the way that you function. So if we talk about somebody who has a low mood, That's referring to your emotional well-being. But if you have a chronic low mood, you then become depressed. And depression is a mental health disease, a mental health illness, right? And that's because depression impacts on your relationships, the way that you are able to do your work. It can affect your concentration and your attention. And so mental health has its own, it's a, a whole other classification and things to deal with. But the important thing to remember is that if you don't, really put an effort to modulating your emotional well-being, you're likely to have mental health issues down the line. How do
0: you give a, and and, and I saw you really, really want to be quite clear on that, but how do you make it a little bit more simpler to to digest that? The difference between the two because they constantly are blurred and are considered to be the same thing. And they can be the same thing because one is a byproduct of the other in terms of what happens or a reaction of the other. But what is kind of the clearest way of understanding that difference between the two?
1: Well, I think for starters, when, when you have a mental health illness, that's a diagnosis. Usually you have a medical or a health professional who will tell you from these symptoms, they'll do an examination, they'll ask you various questions, about your medical history. And from that, they'll determine a diagnosis. And as soon as you have a diagnosis, and these are things like depression, anxiety disorder, schizophrenia. And when we're talking about mental health in general, we're talking about illnesses that require an intermediation something, an intervention, let's say, in order for you to be able to function normally. And usually that intervention is medication, because once you've arrived at that diagnosis, the health professional has identified specific hormones, specific chemical markers within your brain that need to be regulated by medication. Or in addition to that, you might need to have various means of therapy, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, whatever it may be, in order to help you deal with that mental health illness. Mm. Emotional well-being is almost the lead up to that. These are the things that we experience on a day-to-day level when somebody says, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling anxious. Most of us say that we're feeling anxious, but we haven't been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And so that's the main difference between them. And it's an important distinction to make because CBD can have really incredible effects on your emotional well-being because it helps to maintain your sleep. It helps to ensure that you're not feeling anxious. It helps to regulate inflammation and pain, which all contribute to how you feel on an emotional level. Mm. But when we then move into how CBD affects different mental health illnesses, such as schizophrenia, depression, and anxiety, yes, there are studies that prove that CBD has a beneficial effect. But we have to be so much more careful of how CBD is used in those instances, because now we're talking about a brain that already has a chemical imbalance that you're now adding an additional substance to. Mm.
0: As a society, we have been conditioned to treat symptoms, but there's a growing trend to better understand the relationship between mind and body, the expansive nature of well-being in its combination of physical, mental, and emotional states, and the increasing focus on identifying any imbalances within yourself. The intention with the statement is not to dispute or downplay the benefits of Western medicine and its ability to save lives, but the past 12 to 18 months have certainly certainly accelerated the importance of energy uh, people are investing in emotional well-being and mental health versus only treating the symptoms that poor well-being and health results in. Wellness, well being trends of 2021. Well, active stress management also ties into radical self care and has resulted in many people considering supplements to support and manage their mental health and high stress levels. The nutritional supplement industry has observed its highest growth in more than two decades, with a whopping 12.1% increase in 2020, according to Healthline. Nutritional supplements with ingredients like magnesium, B complex, vitamins, Plant-based adaptogens, chamomile, and CBD oil have all grown in popularity. As a medical professional, why do you believe emotional well-being and mental health preservation is important with that mouthful in mind?
1: (laughs) I think one of the blessings, and maybe one of the very few blessings that the, the coronavirus has brought us, is the fact that people are now acutely aware that they are responsible for how they feel. You know, before the pandemic, we had distractions such as, you know, events, parties, all of these social gatherings in order to distract us from how we feel. And now when you're being forced to stay at home with nobody other than yourself, you really realize how much emphasis you were using or how much emphasis you were putting on those things in order to make you happy. Mm -hmm. So I think Corona has really made people look for alternative means to bring in themselves happiness and luckily enough people have looked to their own bodies as a source of that and that's why we're starting to see a lot of self-care practices and yes we can talk about self-care in terms of journaling, meditating, yes that's highly important, highly highly important but we're also talking about self-care in terms of making sure that your body is given all of the necessary tools and the boosts that it can possibly be given in order for you to function at your best Mm. and that's where whether we're talking about vitamin supplements, whether we're talking about CBD that's where the power is where we're we're enabling people to take their own health into their own hands and I think that that's very liberating not just for us individuals as patients but also for the healthcare sector where now we have less people going to their doctors for things that they don't need to go for and and we 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 are able to rely on our healthcare systems for what they are needed for which is emergency-based care or for managing chronic or terminal diseases Mm. so I, I find it quite reassuring. I think in that sense, the pandemic was almost a rude awakening for the fact that people really need to invest in their health and, and to know that if they don't put effort into our own health, then essentially it's 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 a losing battle. Your doctor won't be able to cure and heal everything for you. The onus is on you, especially because you know your body the best for you to be able to keep your body in that state of homeostasis as best as you can.
0: And it's so fascinating that you mentioned all of that because with someone who's gone as in-depth within the Western medicine world as they have within the more holistic um, Afrocentric as well as Eastern medicine, uh, plant-based medicine world, I am someone who has been fortunate in that I don't get sick often. I haven't gone sick often my whole life because I've been, I will say to a certain extent, quite anti-Western medicine Mm. unless I Need need, need it. Unless I really need it. Because I feel that people have that very quick, fast solution that they're looking for. Everything's a quick fix. And I don't think our bodies work like that. And it's something where I want my body to be able to deal with it. How can I look towards... Changing something within my behavior or diets to try and improve my um, certain um, sickly state or whatever it might be that I need the time instead of rushing to get antibiotics and rushing to get the first medicine and going to the doctor for a cold and getting all the medicines. And I I feel like it's something that can be particularly toxic Mm. um, with what you put in your body over time and become dependent on. I've always been averse to any kind of dependence whatsoever. And so from a young age, I would kind of have this battle with my mother as well and they would my parents were very much pro western medicine western medicine just take medicine but i sometimes would not like how i felt afterwards or how frequently i would start to get sick from having it and now we'll have to get that again i thought let me just try and wean myself off of having to be dependent on that and and i guess try and get my body to be able to cope in whatever condition it needs to be able to and With that in mind, you know I speak about the supplementing with magnesium, B complex, um, CBD oil, whatever it might be, the the different uh, adaptin adaptin adaptogens adaptogens, adaptogens. (laughs) (laughs) the different adaptogens and, and all of that. I'm still quite even now averse to that in terms of the taking vitamins every single day i find again that's a certain kind of dependence surely i can find that from food Mm. and and are you as someone who's involved with both those worlds so deeply and does a lot of this practicing of emotional well-being and, and and wellness as a whole someone that takes lots of supplements
1: um to to take care of your body and find your own balance I think for me, I'm quite similar to you. You know, I I like to use the analogy of a house and there are certain things that you do to maintain your house like dusting, sweeping, mopping, that you can do on your own and that you're meant to do on a regular basis. It's low cost, low energy being spent, but you need to do it in order to make sure that you maintain your house. And then there are other big things. When a geezer breaks, when you need to fix um, certain, I don't know, clearly I'm not very good at maintaining my house. <laughs> but there are certain things where you need a professional to come in and help you. Yeah. But the issue is here that if you are constantly calling in that professional to do all of the things that you could be doing on your own, eventually you get to a stage where you don't know how to do anything on your own and you're mm. constantly relying on somebody else to tell you what it is that you need to do. And the human body is no different. You know, you can get to a state where... Um, and I think there are a lot of people who are in a state where they need somebody else to tell them what is good for them, whereas the best person to know about your body is yourself you 've spent the most amount of time in your body you 're used to knowing how your body communicates with you in terms of you know the, the different signs and symptoms and I think my approach to my health is taking the time to listen to my body as often as is possible and listening to what it's trying to tell me. So are some times where my body will tell me that I have low energy. And usually that means that there's something missing from my diet. And I'm also not very much a tablets and vitamin supplement person. Mm. I prefer to supplement my diet with actual food items, but actually it's semantics at the end of the day, whether you're getting a, your your b12 from from a natural food source or in a capsule, they all come from the same thing but I think it's quite nice to be able to research different food groups and to learn about the vitamins that are a part of them because then again you are able to make that decision for yourself mm-hmm. instead of having to rely on pharmaceutical companies to develop the vitamins that your body needs
0: yeah. and so
1: I think it's it's really about learning I like that point that we, we discussed learn about about your body, learn how your body works, learn about why you experience pain in different places, why you experience tiredness, learn about how the patterns of your sleep might be your body's way of communicating that you need to change different parts of your routine. And if you do that, you'll find that your body is constantly communicating with you. It's just asking for you to listen. And once you're able to speak your body's language, you can speak back with food, with exercise, with things like CBD or natural remedies. And so when your body screams at you, you can recognize, okay, I've done everything that I needed to do when you were talking to me softly. Now that you're screaming, this is the moment where I need additional help. And I think that's a nice, it's more of a, I'm going to say intuitive way of viewing your health, which which I think is a lot more sustainable as opposed to constantly relying on other people to, to, to educate you on, on what your body is doing and why it's reacting in certain ways.
0: Is this so hard as an ingrained... Uh Skeptic of a lot of things to just follow whatever the trend may be, especially when so many of these medical trends end up proving to actually not be as beneficial Mm -hmm. as they claim to be. Um, And there's a certain one right now, actually we won't won't touch on, but something to do with uh, collagen now being that, how it will change your, but how much penetration does that have, for example, through the actual skin and what it really does and how much of it stays in your body. All those kinds of things end up making you feel so skeptical about whatever you put in your body when there's so many problems it's to be made mm. and and how that can be beneficial to you. But, but- there
1: again, maps, you know, if you if you were to listen to your body and say, okay, this is how I felt for a month not using collagen, and yes. use collagen for a month and see how I feel. And if you took the time to really listen, then you your body would tell you the answer, whether yeah. it's working or not, you know, and, and that's exactly it, you know, instead of being taken away by all of these trends and listening to what other people are telling you, find out what works for your body by listening to what it's saying.
0: Which is so true for this as well, because with even in this um, CBD space, it's about trying it. Try it for exactly. a certain amount of time and see if it works for you and for your body. There aren't any negative adverse effects at all. How can you find the differences or how do you find the differences within your body and do you like that feeling do you like how it is aiding or do you find that it's actually kind of inhibiting um how you like to operate whatever it might be or is it aiding and and, and assisting and i think you'll find very positive results within that but give it a try and actually then you'll find um what you're looking for and Mm -hmm. you know we, we speak about all these different ways to be able to deal with this for our mental health. And I, th- I think of our young generation right now, and I think of things such as um, social media or even being born into a pandemic oh gosh, and yes. how you haven't had enough neural development, so to speak, to properly deal with something like this and have that maturation within your mind to not uh, potentially lose it from trying to cope within this period. Mm-hmm. They have so many pressures and uh, recently did a survey with the British Council around the kind of top five things that young kids in communities, um, mainly in townships, feel that they struggle with the most. And two interesting things came up um, that they were most concerned about, which was substance abuse mm. and um, the notion around how they're able to cope with mental health. Wow. When asked who they speak to when it comes to their mental health, they... 90% of them didn't say their mothers or fathers, didn't say someone in their community or community leader or psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it might be. They said Google when they're not feeling Mm. um, that kind of, uh, when when they're not feeling like they are in tune with themselves, they're feeling like they're leading towards this emotional imbalance or mental imbalance or whatever it might be, uh, moving towards a depressive state perhaps, and I say Mm. that in inverted commas because Mm. that is something that also needs to be diagnosed. I think we're very quick and loose with that word of I'm feeling depressed. Anxiety
1: and depressed, yeah, those those words we've become very loose with.
0: Mm. What does that mean? You know, Can you really actually just say that? You need to speak through that and and what are those kind of feelings what how different is that from what you felt before so that we can get to the conclusion of okay yes you then clearly are dealing with that there's things to take into um account like how your body is being affected how you're sleeping um how you how good your sleep is the quality of your Mm. sleep very important um what you're eating are you eating enough um and which periods are you eating and what's changed all those different changes are you feeling The motivation, or any motivation whatsoever, but the motivation to get out of your bed, to get your day going, are you feeling drained, all those things are taken into account. It's not something that we can just loosely throw out there Um, that leads to a, a set diagnosis around that and then to assist you. But to the point around that is that they just kind of Google that and they feel like they are alone. And that's a really challenging thing. So I'd love to then speak about the benefit and the role that communities can play with, the, with, with uh, emotional well-being and the well-being of your mental health, as, as far as um, you know, plant-based medicine is concerned with the focus, of course, on, on, on cannabis.
1: You know, there's there's so many things to talk about there. I mean, the the first one, I think, is especially when we look at, you know, underprivileged communities or communities where access to certain services is an issue, but dominantly in those communities, we find that substance abuse is, is, a, is a huge issue and is, is part of the problem. And I think one of the things, why that's an important thing to consider is because we keep pushing this message of don't do drugs, don't do drugs, don't do drugs, whereas instead it should be a more specific message of how these drugs interact with your brain, how these drugs make you feel, why they are bad, as opposed to just telling young adults or teenagers not to use them. And then the reason why that's so important is exactly this conversation where, yes, it's it's worthwhile telling teenagers and the youth not to use THC-containing marijuana yeah. and, and, and intoxicating marijuana. But Um, CBD is known to help with substance abuse addiction and is known to help with modulating your mood and so if you're telling a teenager on one hand not to do drugs but then telling them that they can use CBD which is also from the same plant as the very drugs you're telling them not to take it can be hugely confusing Um, and so I think that's like you say that's where community education comes in and I think especially as Africans we're in an incredible position where this is a resource that we can use to bolster our Economies. This is a resource that we can use to educate, um, farming communities about how they can create sustainable systems in order to uplift those who, who don't have opportunities, who, who don't have access to improving their lives in terms of their income. But further beyond that, I think if I, I kind of envision a community where Uh, Hemp is being farmed and used for clothing, used for, for concrete and sustainable building, used for CBD extraction in a way where the very people who are making it and growing it are aware of its benefits as well. And what that starts to create is not just an economic uplift, but also conversations where people are talking about their things like sleep, talking about things like their mood, talking about their emotional well-being, because that's the thing that the plant affects and that's actually the use of the plant so I think there's there's so much work to be done you know I, I often look at education as another thing that we need to constantly consider when we're talking about health and healing um, and I think it would do a lot of people justice in life orientation to learn the skills of regulating your emotions managing stress you mm-hmm. know understanding th- those life skills of, of how to navigate those aspects of life but what that will take is communities asking for for that and communities demanding that they need to be educated about those things and one great way to get our communities to start asking those questions is to consciously grow this plant and to yeah. inform our communities while that growing process is happening
0: i love that absolutely wonderful and from that comes some very interesting products um, that uh, cbd companies have been coming up with and you've engaged with some of those as well yes. um i'd love to kind of uh, speak about how you know what kind of um products uh, you know you can take around this for different occasions or different needs um that you find yourself engaging with and uh, what what some of your favorites have been
1: Mm, I mean, one of the lovely things about CBD, and, and I love that you were telling people to experiment with it because you can experiment with CBD in so many different ways. Mm. So, I really love CBD for topical applications. So, that's essentially using CBD in a cream. And CBD, apart from the endocannabinoid system, which you'll now be familiar with ECS. There we go. <laughs> um, CBD is also known to act on peripheral receptors that modulate pain and inflammation. Mm. So, if you are somebody who is working out, let's say, you're training for a marathon and you have a lot of days where you're needing to recover and reduce the inflammation of your muscles, a CBD cream to help your muscles recover would be highly effective because it reduces both the pain and the inflammation that you'll probably be feeling. There's other things like if you suffer from acne. Acne is essentially inflammation of the skin, but also it can result from having high levels of a naturally made oil called sebum in your skin. And Mm -hmm. that, and that oil kind of builds up and then you end up getting Acne and CBD is known to reduce the production of sebum and to help with inflammation. So if you're somebody struggling from acne, using a cream for your acne is a nice way to familiarize yourself with CBD and to get the the more topical effects of the plant. Um, We also see CBD affecting people's sleep and their mood. And again, you can use both CBD in capsule form. You can ingest it to help you with your sleep or the amazing rollers or, or essential oils combined with CBD that you can put into a diffuser or even just an oil that you can rub on your skin or on your temples before you go to bed, yeah so there 's so many things i i 've really been drawn to um, the, the good leaf i 'm going to drop good leaf in there <laughs> there we go, um, but i 'm really drawn to the, the good leaf morning moisturizer i absolutely Ooh, yeah, love that's that yeah. yeah, I find that in the mornings my skin looks a little bit red for some reason, it looks a little bit inflamed, mm. and so just it seems to cool down my skin really nicely. So, yeah, there are so, so many uses. You know, as, as women, if you're somebody who struggles from menstrual pain and cramps, you can also use creams on your lower abdomen when you're experiencing that pain to help you deal with that pain a little bit better, as opposed to taking painkillers and tablets all the time. Mm. So the, the, the effects are far reaching. And I think it's also important to consider that people can find a way of using CBD that they're comfortable with. You don't always have to use the oil by ingesting it you can use creams as well yeah. you can just put it in a diffuser in your environment um, there's definitely a way that you can tailor how you use cbd for you
0: what would you kind of say would be a nice intro into it as a product
1: I really like using it for for pain modulation. I okay. would say if you if you're somebody who suffers from regular pain, let's say you have migraines quite often, mm. like we said, menstrual cramps every month. Roller. Yeah, the, just roll it onto your skin, see how that affects your pain. Um, you can also put it. You know, uh, Good Leaf has these lovely CBD sachets as well, which you can put into any drink, tea or, or, coffee your, tea or, or your coffee, or even just water. Yeah, see how that affects something that you encounter on a regular basis. And I think. It's also about ha- having your own experiment almost with your CBD products so if, if there's something that you regularly encounter that you're regularly taking medication for that CBD is known to help, try out CBD one month and see if that yeah. works a little bit better than some of the medication you've been taking and then that can become a part of your regular routine.
0: It's just so easy because it's just about seeing whether it works for you or not and then you can come to whatever conclusion you might need to. and around that actually, uh, recently did one of those DNA tests as oh, to yes. how your body responds um, in terms of uh, what medicine you should take, uh, what food you should ingest, what, um, um, how your body is built in terms of um, athleticism. Are you an endurance athlete or are you a um, power and strength athlete, all those types of things. And actually then found that some people are actually, from a hereditary perspective, just um, they are prone to things like inflammatory. Mm. And so what I love about uh, CBD as a whole are the benefits you might see from it for things that you didn't even realize that you needed help with within you when you were just trying to find some sort of a, a, something to help or aid something else that you feel that you're struggling totally. with and just the other amount of benefits that you can have from it.
1: Totally, I, I think that's one of the greatest things, and I really love almost using my CBD, like you said, according to the mood that I'm in. So mm. if I'm if I'm in a situation where I'm needing to slow down, I'm needing to rest, there's specific. Um, yeah different different aspects of CBD that I'll use like we spoke about the rollers the the, the oils and things like that topically whereas if you're if you're looking for a therapeutic benefit maybe you're somebody um, who has inflammatory skin disease like psoriasis has been shown to really respond to CBD as well um, some of the autoimmune inflammatory diseases sarcoidosis and I'm dropping all of these <laughs> medical terms in here but yeah a lot of a lot of these inflammatory diseases are, are really studies have shown shown that CBD is really effective and inflammation happens to all of us whether you are a runner whether you are somebody who who hurts yourself whether you're you're ingesting something that your body has an inflammatory response to so you're totally right MUPs. it's about using CBD in different ways try it out don't be afraid to experiment with this you know in a responsible way and and do your research beforehand so that Mm. you feel comfortable with experimenting with it so that you know how it affects your body. There, there is one thing to keep in mind if you, if you are on specific chronic medication, sometimes uh, because CBD is broken down by the liver, um, your liver can essentially be attracted to breaking down the CBD more than breaking down your, your other medicinal drugs. So if you are somebody that's on chronic medication, do some research as to whether CBD will interact with whatever drug you may be on. But other than that, um, you know, if you you do the research, look into the ECS, read about it all, find a source that makes it digestible to you. And if after doing the research, you decide it's not for you, that's totally fine. But I think that should always be People's point and call, and, and like you said, that's what this podcast is for: is to give people the information so they can make informed decisions.
0: And I feel so seen there because I suffer from bouts of um, psoriasis and mm. um, eczema as well mm. through seasonal changes, and that definitely has aided in in, in quite a great yes, way. Allergies and as well, allergies, yeah. all of that, sinuses, the whole the whole nine yards. A bit of a bubble boy, um, <laughs> but just I love being out, out so well, much. Well, now you've got your CBD <laughs> and the CBD definitely. Definitely has aided in a big wind, topical creams as well, but they just don't seem to quite be as as effective in some cases, and that could be different for for mm. other people too. Not mm. to say that same size fits all. What kind of habits would you say that people should have in their lifestyle um, to ensure that they can have a consistent balance of emotional well being that they can include?
1: I think for me, you know, I when I first started. In this field of yoga and meditation, I'd usually recommend that people try to incorporate a yoga class or a meditation practice into their day. But as I've evolved in, in, in educating people about this, I think the more accessible way to see your emotional well being is about using the moments that you already have in your life. Um, there's there's a little hack, a life hack called habit hacking, mm-hmm. um, or habit stacking. I think it's habit stacking. Um, and what that is is you use an already existing habit. To establish a new one, so most hopefully, most of us have the habit of brushing our teeth every day, um, bathing our bodies every day. If you're
0: wearing a mask, you know whether or not you've brushed your teeth. Must have been fantastic not to smell other people's breath, but you know, so true, yeah.
1: it, it's, it's more. It affects you a lot more. Exactly. Um, so, if you have these habits that you set up in your life, the idea there is to stack whatever habit it is that you're trying to do on top of that. So let's say you're trying to establish a breathing practice. Perhaps every time you go to brush your teeth, as you see your toothbrush, that's the sign to say, okay, I'm gonna brush my teeth and do my breath work, so you already have that habitual neuro pathway that you've you've established, and you're now using that to stack on another habit. So things like putting your supplements near your toothbrush. You know, if you're using CBD or CBD oil, put it near your toothbrush so that every time you see your toothbrush, you also see your CBD and you remember to take it. There's other things like incorporating mindfulness into everyday life, like when you are going for a walk or for a run, instead of listening to music to distract you, take some time to watch your breath. Listen to your footsteps on the pavement. Notice the colors of everything around you. Even when you're washing your dishes, that surprisingly um, a dishwashing meditation is amazing because if you take the time to look, there are beautiful bubbles. There are often rainbows within your, your dishwashing liquid. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but you can have a whole mindful moment just washing your hands, watching your hands, washing the dishes, smelling the dishwashing soap, looking at the bubbles. So I think when it comes to emotional well-being, all of it is about coming into the present moment, Mm -hmm. right? Anytime we're stuck in the past or the future, our mind is going, we're thinking. Usually that raises our heart rate. That then stimulates that fight or flight response, our stress response. And as soon as you come into the present moment, you breathe differently. You breathe with your diaphragm, you breathe slower, and that sends a message to your brain that you are safe, that you can relax. Mm. So as long as you are bringing yourself into the present moment as often as you can remember, stacking it onto the habits or the tasks that you already have to do, that's a really accessible way of of. of boosting your emotional well-being without needing to schedule in a whole new activity or go and book yourself into a retreat every second weekend.
0: Yeah, and they say it takes 21 days to form a new habit. So okay. try and get that as close as possible so that it can be become something that is second nature to you. And you spoke about whether it's habit hacking or habit stacking, definitely habit stacking, but what you just described there were all um, notions around habit hacking. Mm. You know, how do you, how do you hack getting into a habit? Yeah. And that was exactly it. So thank you so much for your time. I wish we could speak for... Ages and ages, ages and ages and ages and ages, <laughs> ages. Because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. But I'm really hoping, and I know in fact, that everyone that is listening to this has um, gotten some great insight into the medical world of, of, of CBD, but the wellness world, the emotional wellness world, the more holistic world of, of, of CBD and plant-based medicine as a whole, um, but how they can coexist and how one doesn't have to be void of, of, of the other, Absolutely. and that you can find that beautiful symbiosis to improve your own well-being and how you can use all of that to aid yourself in your own life. and. I guess, diving into mental health versus emotional um, health as well and the differences around that and, and the benefits of the extract and, and all the things we can consider and just giving it a try before throwing the baby out with the bathwater yeah, yes. and, and really seeing what works for you, but doing so in such a considered and intentional way, but really that doing life like that. Exactly. And how you can find beautiful benefits from that. And I think when you're in more tune with that, if you try things like CBD, you'll really know whether or not it's working for you. You'll know what the benefits are. You'll know what you might need it for because you've taken now the time to take that breath, take that step back and really work out um, what's happening within you and what you might be willing to need something for if you feel that might be the case. If you don't feel like yourself and what that's like. So thank you very much for your amazing insights and um, enlightening us with all your wonderful knowledge um, around the world of medicine and well being. And, and, wellbeing. and um, yeah, thank you for your time. And I can't wait for for everyone to give us feedback on what they what they thought of this. And please leave us your comments and yes. get involved in the conversation. Let me know
1: if that metaphor of the of the gate the workers that made <laughs> yeah. sense or maybe I was. Just on my own tangents with that metaphor as well. Totally made sense. It's still
0: ingrained in my mind. I can see the field of workers just getting to work in my body, and um, I'll be sure to make sure that uh, I employ more whenever there's there's some assistance needed. Absolutely. Either.
1: Thanks so much, Muffs. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Doctor Nissi.